And so we'll be in Luke chapter 9. As usual, we just walk through the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, but I think it's, I am of the type, I'm at least old enough now, that I would rather be um, offended by the truth than comforted with lies, okay? And I hope you're the same way as well. And you live in a world that a lot of people prefer to be comforted by lies, even though they're just lies, you know? It's, the, it's that movie, The Matrix. Some people want to stay in The Matrix. They just want to just believe just this false um, reality that's in front of them that's not true. And the Bible's pretty clear that we live in a world at war. Guys, this is not peacetime. Jesus says, remember, He says, I, I've come to bring... Um, well, He said, I'm the uh, Prince of Peace. But do you remember, He said, I, I actually came to bring a sword. He said, I came to divide. Okay, and so p- please don't forget that. Peace is coming, but it's not here right now. And the way you get peace most of the time is through what? Through war. And so don't forget that. We are at war right now. The world is at war. Stay alert. If you read through the New Testament, one of the most common uh, exhortations to the church is to stay alert. To, don't, to not fall asleep at the wheel. You know? And so today we're going to look at a time when Jesus is meeting with some of His apostles and they... Uh, they were sleepy, and they, they were, because they were asleep and sleepy, they almost missed what was actually happening. You know, here's the thing when you're asleep, your eyes are closed. Do you all know that? Okay. But if you're asleep, and please don't miss this, you don't know that you're asleep. Right? Has anyone ever had a dream and the dream feels so real? And, and you know, I struggle with, I, I, I do not sleep well. I have nightmares all the time, and even. Um, I mean, I've gotten to the point where I can sometimes recognize a dream as a dream. Has anyone ever done that? And then you go up and like punch someone in the face or do something you normally wouldn't do, right? But there's even, I mean, even in my, I'm almost 40 now, like I still, I still sometimes am dreaming and I don't realize it. Even last night I woke up screaming, Kinsey, and uh, why is that? Because I was in a, I was having a, a nightmare and I, I had I didn't realize that I was dreaming, and it felt so real. And so remember, guys, that's one of the exhortations. When, I mean, look through the New Testament, okay? The, yeah, there's some parts about, I think we focus on stop sinning, stop sinning, but the, really the emphasis is church, stay awake, like stay vigilant, like st- look, stay alert, like stay on the watch, like be ready because we're not at peacetime, we're not, Okay. And so today, yeah, we're going to look at some guys that were asleep, or at least sleepy. So look at chapter 9, verse 28. As usual, we'll walk straight through the Bible. We won't skip anything. And um, there's even parts I want to skip. But like I said, I, I think it's more important that we're challenged and, uh, by truth. than just I'm not just going to sit here and comfort you with lies. And, and, and if you pay attention, again, church, if you pay attention, you will see that that the church of Jesus Christ is, is starting to make friends with sin. It's starting to go down that slippery slope. Things that used to be called darkness are now be called, being called light, right? And the church is starting to go down that path. It's starting to drift. Some churches are, right? And so um, all that being said is, and, and you can find, man, you can find plenty of religious organizations that you can attend on Sunday morning, They'll make you feel comfortable in your sin. They'll pat you on the bottom and say, God is love, love, love. 
They will never call you to repentance. They will never call you to walk intimately with Jesus. They will never, and these are some churches. I'm not blasting all churches, there, and I shouldn't even call them churches. There are some religious gatherings that will never call you to die to yourself. Ever, right? That they, they, they it's just, hey, you be you. God is love, love, love. Who am I to judge? Which everything I just said is an absolute lie from hell and is completely unbiblical. But I could, I could put hashtag and then put those things in front of it and, and put it out there on Facebook and I would get so many thumbs up. Why? Because people are deceived and people have fallen asleep, right? And so um, let's, let's look at what the Lord has to say. Chapter 9, verse uh, 28. So remember your context. Jesus had just sent out the 12. Then Jesus feeds the 5,000, which is the only um, miracle in all four Gospels. And then Peter confesses Jesus as Christ. And that's, that's the point where Jesus says, hey, if anyone wants to come after me, he must what? Deny himself daily. For if anyone wants to save his life, he must lose it. Which also, by the way, is the only teaching of Jesus that appears in all four Gospels. That line right there. If anyone wants to lose his life... Uh, save his life he must lose it that's the only teaching in, yeah right wouldn't you think it'd be about love 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 or just pray more no the only teaching in all four gospels is when jesus says hey if you want to come after me you have to deny yourself and you better take up your cross and follow me is that a hard teaching yeah but is there life to be found in that brother you, you better believe it right and then we have um uh, look at the end. Look at verse 27. This is just a recap. Remember, Jesus was talking to his apostles, and the last thing he said was, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Okay, that's most likely a reference to what's about to happen when Jesus is going to take Peter, James, and John up on a mountain, and, and they are going to see him transfigured um, uh, into glory. And so look at verse 28. That catches us up to our narrative. It says, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took, now look, Peter, James, and John uh, with him and went up on a mountain to pray. So remember, guys, Jesus had hundreds of, now he had thousands of followers, and then he had hundreds of disciples, okay? And then within those disciples, he had some that would actually kind of truly go when he said to go. And then within that number, he had the 12 apostles, okay, that he spent more and more time with. And then within the 12, he had what? He had the three, Peter, James, and John. Do you see how, do you see how this is kind of funneling down? Uh, you see what I did there? You know how you always look at that funnel, right? And he would always spend more and more time with fewer and fewer people. And Peter, James, and John, those were his, those were his three like right-hand men that he would... He would Take those three and say, you three, come here. And he would do certain things only with them. And then with, even within the three, uh, some people argue that he had Peter and some people argue that he had John that was, his, that was his really right-hand man. I think it was John. And the reason is because when Jesus is hanging on the cross, do you remember he looks at John and he looks at his mother Mary? Do you remember? And he looks at Mary and he says, woman, behold your son. And so he is, he's saying to John, like he's dying on the cross and he says to John, dude, I, you need to take care of my mom, right? You don't do that with a buddy. You don't do that with a drinking friend. You do that with a guy that is your right hand man. Like there's a brotherhood there. And so uh, verse 29 says, as he was praying, 
the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Okay, so let's back up real quick. Again, like we always do, we're going to spend the first half of what we do in here is we're just kind of getting the context of what the Bible says. Okay, so let's, let's remember this. What's our context? In this context, remember, Jesus is extremely popular right now. Okay, everybody knows who he is. Okay, and if you remember, everybody had an opinion about him. You know, and every, some people were saying oh, he's John the Baptist. Some people were saying he's Elijah. Some people were saying he's Moses. So everybody's opinion had a couple things in common. One, uh, they thought he was, he was some sort of spiritual guru, right? Um, um, number two, they, they knew he was a powerful guy. And number three, everybody's opinion was wrong, <laughs> okay? And so the majority, the masses did not understand who Jesus was, okay? And so I know there is comfort in, in uh, group think. I know there is, okay? But guys, remember, just because everybody's doing it does not mean it's from the Lord. Did you, that seems so elementary, um, but I feel like we need to remind ourselves of that, okay? And so remember our context. Literally, look at, um, look at chapter 9, look at verse 7. Just in this one chapter, verse 7, you, you remember this story? It said, it said, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because, look at this, it says it right here, because some were saying what? John had been raised from the dead. Others said who? Elijah had appeared. And still others said that what? One of the prophets of long ago. Please remember that list, right? And then just skip down, look at verse 19. Again, we're still just building our context. Verse 19 uh, remember, this is when Jesus says, who do people, who do the crowds say that I am? Verse 19 says, they said, look at this list. Some say what? John the Baptist. So others, others say who? Elijah. And then others, one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. And so, so please don't miss this. People were building this identity of who Jesus was. Okay? And they had influences. They had outside influences. The, their neighbors were saying it. They had personal experiences of, okay, well, I'm trying to figure out who this guy is. They had his word himself, right? Uh, which which he, would, he would flat out call himself God, and he would flat out call himself God's son. And so people have all these influences, and they're trying to figure out who is Jesus, and there's a little bit of confusion. And so uh, look at what Jesus is doing here. Again, verse 29, I'm going to repeat that. It says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Okay, so time out. Does this sound like someone else? He's on a mountaintop. He's praying. His face is changing. He is, he's filled with the radiant glory of the Lord. Is this starting to sound like one of the prophets of old? Who does this sound like? This is starting to sound like Moses, isn't it? Right? And remember, Moses' job was he, was he would intercede on behalf of God and man. And Moses, the only way he would do that, remember, he'd go, up that, he'd go up that mountain, he'd hear from God, he'd come down the mountain, he'd tell the people. And then what would he do? Go back up the mountain, come back down. The mountain. And then, then when the people wanted to hear from God, what would Moses do? Go back up, and then what? Come back down. Like Moses, he had, a, he had great workout. Like his cardio had to be amazing, Right? Like, because then people would say, oh, what would God say about this? And guess what Moses did? Climbed a mountain, came back down the mountain. You ever climbed a mountain? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and then God would say, hey, I have something to tell my people. What would he do? 
Go up the mountain? Okay, got it. Come back, come back down the mountain, right? And so do you see how this is, this is pretty similar to what Moses did here? Okay, now, now look, look at what happens here. Again, there's all this confusion. Who is Jesus? Is he Elijah? Is he John the Baptist? Is he one of the prophets of old? Now look what happened here. Verse 30, two men, who? Moses and who? Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Okay, so why is this significant? This is the same reason as, do you know how you've never seen Batman and Bruce Wayne in the same room at the, to- at the same time? Why? Because they're the same person. Okay, let's reverse engineer that. Jesus is standing with Elijah, standing with Moses. What does that mean? He's not Moses. What does it mean about him and Elijah? He's not Elijah. Okay? Do you see how Jesus is bringing clarity to who he is? Okay? Again, there's all this confusion, which by the way, hey, let's, let's, let's not miss this. Moses was a pretty good dude. What about Elijah? Like Elijah was amazing. The things that Elijah did, it's like even if Jesus had been one of those guys, let's not miss, man, that's pretty impressive, right? Like, have you ever been compared to like a, a, a great man or woman? Like m- many of y'all know uh, my friend Joel Inge. I've known him for 20 plus years, one of the best men you'll ever meet in your life. One of the greatest compliments Joel ever gave me Again, I've, I've known this guy for decades. It was one day he looked at me and he says, man, you're like a younger white version of me. <laughs> and he started laughing and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was like, I will, and you guys that know Joel, dude, I'll take that. Like that is an amazing man. And I'm thinking, wow, right? If, if someone were to, and by the way, no one else has ever said that of me. Do you know who you remind me of? You're a white version of Joel. Like that's never happened yet. Right? But if someone were to come up to me and say, man, you really remind me of Joel Lynch. Like, what do I do? I say, that is a, man, that's amazing. Like, that's a compliment. Like, I, I, I strive for his wisdom and his passion and, and his humility. Right? And, and so let's not miss that. If Jesus had been Moses or Elijah, that's a pretty good gig. But do you want to know what the problem with Moses and Elijah was? Was they still separated, man, from God okay remember Moses when man wanted to talk to God what did he have to do he was the guy he had to go through them okay let me go check let me come down Elijah the same thing when God wanted to talk to his people he had to do it through one of the prophets of old they had to have someone intercede and I'll I say that I said this before my prayer guys that is Catholic theology okay that is not Christian theology okay um Catholic theology is that I have to go through the priest or I have to go through the Pope and that the, the Pope stands between God and man. And you want to talk about, I'm going to say something that will offend people in our hyper-accepting culture. Catholics are not Christians. I said it. That is not Christianity. That there is a mediator between God and man. Ooh, the room just got uncomfortable. I felt it. There is how many mediators between God and man? One. And who is it? It is Jesus Christ, the God-man. Okay? Right? Nobody stands between God and man except Jesus Christ. No authority, no pope, no priest, no great person, nothing. 
Do you follow me on this? And, and again, church, man, I'm not casting stones, but you better stay awake because I know plenty, uh, plenty of people that if you said, hey, what's the difference between Catholics and Christians, Protestant Christians? I know plenty of people that would say, their theology is the same. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is not. Okay? Jesus Christ is the one mediator. That's the only one ever. This is not my opinion. This is straight from Scripture. Okay? So again, do you think that our culture, do you think the church is starting to fall asleep? That's why everybody's so uncomfortable right now in the room. I can feel it. Do y'all feel it? What did Russell just say? Did he, did he claim that there is an exclusive exclusivity to Christianity? Yes. The exclusivity is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Anything less is not the gospel. And if you add anything to it, that's not the gospel either. Do you, under, do you understand me? It's not Jesus plus this other great thing. It's not Jesus plus I have to now confess my sins. It's not Jesus plus I have to do this prayer. It's Jesus plus what? Nothing. Jesus Christ, the God-man, the mediator. So church, stay alert. Don't fall asleep. Because our culture is going to tell you otherwise. And by the way, that's what's called uh, like universalism. Have you heard that phrase? You, you, you need to be prepared for this. Universalism is the theology that everybody gets to God their own way. It's this idea that God is at the top of a mountain and that we are on different sides of a mountain and we all have different paths, but we all arrive at the same God. Have you all experienced this? Yeah, you do. You, you experience it every day, right? The problem with that is the truth of, of Christ, okay? Jesus Christ says, I am what? The way. The truth. The life. And then he says, and then he has the audacity to say, nobody comes to the Father except through what? Through me. And guys, that's a beautiful offer, by the way. Don't let the word exclusivity make you think that that's a terrible thing. Like this offer, this, this free gift, that is amazing. That is a beautiful thing, is that the Lord offers this free gift of salvation to anyone who just embraces it. Um, anyway, so two men, Moses and Elijah. So this is Jesus dismantling the idea of you need a mediator. He's saying that he's... Trust me, these guys are good, but they're not the best. Um, they appeared in glorious splendor. This is so cool. It says they were talking with Jesus. And then look, they're just sitting there chatting. And then it tells you what they're talking about. It says they spoke about his departure. Which was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So we're at a point in Jesus's ministry where he has his attention and his focus and his eyes on Jerusalem. He has his eyes on the cross and he's heading there. And he won't be deterred from it. Okay? And the apostles had a difficult time with this. Do you remember this? Is that Jesus would say outright. I mean, we just look at the section before when Jesus was talking to Peter. He says, he says um, I'm just going to read it. The Son of Man must suffer many things. And, and he would regularly tell the apostles, I'm going to die on a cross. And the Bible says that they would look at him and say, we're not really sure what you mean by that. And he would say, listen, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified for the sins of mankind. And they would say, we're not really following. And he's like, oh my gosh. 
And it's like he explains the same thing over and over, but they don't grit it. I'm an eighth grade math teacher, so same. You know what I mean? Like, I get that. I explain the same thing, and they, they still sit there and say, I don't understand how this is going to happen. And so his eyes are on the cross. His eyes are on Jerusalem. And the, his apostles were at times were saying, hey, wh- that doesn't fit our idea of Jesus. The idea of our our Savior suffering and dying at the hands of a government, they said that doesn't fit our idea of, of our Savior, right? And they would sometimes, like literally sometimes they would rebuke Jesus. And do you remember that time Peter did it? It didn't go well for him, did it? Remember, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of God and man, things of God in mind, but the things of man, right? And so again, get our big picture. Everybody's got an opinion about Jesus, People are trying to put together the perception of who is, who is Jesus, who is God. At the same time, Jesus is telling them who He is. And, and again, everybody's putting this picture together, but it didn't fit with what some of them wanted. Are you following me here? Right? They had an agenda of what they wanted their God to be. And oh man, I'm going to say this, this is going to sting. And they were trying to fit... <laughs> oh gosh, I don't even want to say it. They were trying to fit... God's plans into their agenda. Oh, did that one hit anyone else hard? They were trying to fit their view of Jesus into what they thought He should do. Ugh. Right? Step on anyone's toes just then? I'm talking to, to myself here, right? Okay, so look what happens here. They spoke about His departure, which He was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Okay, so look at 32. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. So we're going to pause right there for just a minute. So notice what's happening. Here's Jesus standing in glory, and it says that Peter... James and John, I'll just read it again, were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw His glory. So two things were happening was they were sleepy, they were asleep, and while they were sleepy, they didn't see what was in front of them. Are you following me here? It says it right there. It says they were over here, they were in a state of sleepiness, and when you are asleep, this is what I started with, when I'm sleeping, I cannot perceive what's happening in front of me. Like I miss it. Don't, and don't miss what I'm about to say. Even though they were present, they weren't really present. Right? Even though they were there, they didn't really grasp what was going on. Why? Because they were what? They were asleep. And then this moment comes where they wake up, and then they see. They wake up, and they oh my gosh. Right? Um, stories of people falling asleep. Sometimes those are funny, right? Uh, there was one time when I was in high school. I guess I was probably ninth grade. We went to um, Sunday night church. And Sunday night church, it, you know, that was always a real small crowd. Um, but it was still just like Sunday morning church. And so we're sitting there, and it's in the big, big church room. That's what it's called. And we're sitting there, and it was at Colonial Hills, and so Robert Carter's preaching. And I remember I'm sitting there next to, I'm sitting with my mom and my stepdad, 
And, uh, and again, in that room, it, it, you can't, there's not a crowd to hide in on Sunday night. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you're in a crowd that's big enough that you think, okay, I'm kind of hidden here, and maybe you'll check your phone, and, or maybe you'll zone out. And, and I want to remind you guys in here, you know if you can see me, I can see you. You, you realize that, right? And, and sometimes, sometimes I think some of y'all forget, because I, I can watch you check your phone. You understand that, right? And I can watch you staring out the window. Like you, you understand that, don't you? And so I like a smaller church because I don't want it to ever feel like I, you can get lost in a crowd. It's like, man, you're a part of us. Anyways, so it was a small setting, and we're sitting there, and uh, Russell falls asleep, and I remember I fell asleep, and I fell asleep straight up like this in, my, in the pew. And again, since I was asleep, I didn't recognize what was going on, and then uh, for some reason, I woke up exactly like this. Again, this is the middle of the sermon. I woke up, and I go, ah. And my eyes just shot open. And, and I immediately knew what I had done. And so I didn't move. I just stood here like this. And Robert just keeps on preaching. And the funny part, if you all know my stepdad, Steve, this is the funny part of the story. He's sitting right here, and all he does is he just goes. <laughs> doesn't say a word. And I don't look. I can see him in my periphs, you know, but I'm just like don't do anything right so now listen Russell fell asleep funny haha don't we all have funny fall asleep stories right hey did and um let me bring the room down some fall asleep stories aren't funny right um some of them you you have you ever slept through something that was so important right or have you ever slept through something that you missed out and you and you think to yourself i slept through the whole thing even you know even even if you're surrounded by stimulus if you're exhausted enough you'll sleep through it and you'll miss it like i took my girls to see the paw patrol movie a year ago i slept through it i know you want to talk about tragedy yeah i don't know how chase rescued mayor dingleweather what's his name right i i slept through the pop i mean in the theaters right um, and then I'll say it this way, man, sometimes when you fall asleep, it ends in tragedy. Have you ever fallen asleep at the wheel? Yeah, I have, right? And, and we're all here to tell the story, guys. Some people don't get out, right? And, and this is a time when these men were asleep and they were about to miss something amazing, even though they're present. And so, so let me challenge you. Church, don't fall asleep. If you pay attention, our culture will constantly try to lull you to sleep. Our culture will try to lull you into a false sense of security. Our culture will try to get you to just pursue your own comfort above everything else. You, that, you, that your job is just to be as comfortable as possible. Right? And I know at least this much about the medical world. The point at which a doctor comes in and says the words, hey, we're just going to make you as comfortable as possible. What does that mean? It means you're, you're a goner, right? And if you're only pursuing comfort, you're not pursuing the kingdom of God. And in our culture, again, stay awake. You will, you will without realizing it, fall asleep, and you will start pursuing your... You will think that the church exists for your comfort, if you, if you don't pay attention, you will think the purpose of the body of Christ 
is to make me happy, to make me comfortable, to serve me. Right? Do y'all see this? Because I do. Like how many times in our, like just naturally do we go to a church and we say, what do you offer me? We don't say it in those words, do we? But we go to a church and we say, um, tell me about your child care. Right? What do you provide? Or we go to a church and we say, how's the music? Right? I better be entertained. Right? How's, how's the preaching? Do you notice how the center of all of these questions are who? He's got two thumbs and he's right in front of you. Me. Do you see this? This is our culture, guys. We live in a religious culture. Don't fall asleep or you will believe the lie that, that by the way, you are being fed this lie every single day that the church exists to make you comfortable and fat and happy. And that the, that, that the job of the church is to come along and say, we're just going to make you as comfortable as possible. Right? And so I, I will always challenge you we are not interested, the, the church of Christ is not interested in people who just attend and sit and soak and then leave. Guys, we need warriors. Right? The, the church is taking ground. There's a battle unfolding in front of us. God, we need, guys, we need soldiers that understand what's happening. We need soldiers that keep their mind on the mission because if we're not focused on the mission, what, what we do is we turn to each other and we start picking each other apart. Have you noticed that, by the way? Right? Or vice versa. If we're truly focusing, if the church is truly focusing on what is our mission, we don't have time to sit here and pick each other apart. Right? Like, do you ever watch any of these really realistic war movies? That it's, that it's, that here's a group of men that they are so different. They don't agree on hardly anything. But what are they doing? They're taking ground. Right? And, and if, if you are aware, imagine, imagine you're, you're in a foxhole in World War II, and if you are aware that there are bullets flying over your head, I do not look to the man sitting next to me and saying, man, I, I, I can't believe that you like country music. Right? I don't look to the guy next to me and start picking him apart. If you are aware that you are in war, we stop picking each other apart, right? And we stop being so picky about we go, we go into a church body and, well, I don't really like the seats in here. Or, ah, he got, I, I really need to be out by 11 every day and you guys go to 11.15, sometimes 11.20 if Russell won't shut his mouth, right? Like, my gosh, if... When we're finding ourselves picking each other apart, the church is, we're battling our, each other rather than the church coming together and saying, man, we, we got to help widows and orphans. And by the way, there's people that are dying and going to hell. And we don't give a crap. In fact, you're more concerned that I said the word crap on Sunday morning. Like if that's our concern, we, we, are, we do not recognize what's going on. We have fallen asleep. Uh, anyways, I'll keep going. None of those that was in my notes, but uh, there it was. So Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Gosh, guys, the church has to wake up. And I'm talking about us. When I say church, don't think of big organization. Like, man, the church has to wake up. And remember, the Lord said... He said, I'm going to change the world, and do you want to know how I'm going to do it? 
Through what? Through his church. Through his people. So I'll remind you. I said I was done and I'm not done. You see how I went back to it? Let, let me remind you. Do you want to know whose job it is to take care of the poor? It's not, it, yeah, it's not the government's. Whose is it? It's the church's. What about sick people? Do you want to know whose job it is to take care of the sick? It's who? Do you want to know whose job it is to educate my children? It's, it's actually not public education. It's who? It's me and the church. Right? Do you, do you want to know whose job it is to teach my children the correct, right, um, God-honoring way to live? Do you want to know whose job it is to teach that? It's not Disney. It's not the government. Who is it? It's the church's job. Right? So please, please don't forget that, guys. Don't fall asleep. Okay? And when you're a part of a church, we are committing. We're raising our kids together. Right? This is why I say regularly, especially, and I'm not picking on you guys, but this is why I say regularly, men in this room, my kids are going to do what you do. You hear me? Men in the room, you are the youth pastors to my children. You understand that, don't you? Men in the room. That's why I say even something as silly as Sunday morning. Man, I, I, my children need to see you worshiping. You understand that? My children and women as well, but for some reason, it's mostly the men. My girls need to hear you worship the Lord. You follow me on this? My girls need to watch you sit underneath the authority of, the pre, of, of uh, pre, uh, God's Word, preaching of God's Word. Are you all following me on this? Right? Because they will follow your lead. And the women as well. But for some reason, I'm telling you, men, we have so, we have so much influence over our children. And we are trying to raise our kids together. That's why they're here in this room with us. Right? And so men, please, it's okay to be challenged. The Christian way is for me to say, I hope you're encouraged. But that's, I'm just challenging. And I'm challenging myself too. Right? My children will do what we do. They won't necessarily do what we say. But they will follow our lead. Anyways, let's try this again. I'm going to try to move on. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> okay, you ready? I shouldn't even read that verse again. Verse 32. I'll read it one more time. I'm going to catch up speed so we'll run right past the end of it. Here we go. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Okay, so verse 33. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. That's true, man. That's so true. And then he says, let us put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then I love, I love that Luke puts this in here. Like He says he did not know what he was saying. It's like, Luke, come on, man. Like, um, okay, so, so here's a moment. Um, I'll just speak on this real quickly. That literally, literally, uh, they're having a mountaintop experience. Do you see this? Okay, and, and did you hear the word I said, by the way? Mountaintop what? Okay, so they're, they're having a mountaintop experience, which, by the way, there's, those are great things, right? I'm sure spiritually, I'm probably everybody in here has had a mountaintop experience, right? That you have this time that you think, wow, that, that you can just see and hear maybe for the first time, and you, you have this, I'm going to use that word again, you have this experience that really speaks to you, right? Um, but here's the thing about the mountaintop experience. 
is that one, we always want to stay up there, don't we? Yeah, and that's, that's natural. That's okay. Um, but two, um, we, we have to leave at some point. And we don't really decide when we leave. Okay? And so life, every, well, I think every, well, no, not yet. Almost everybody in this room can speak to, man, life is full of peaks and what? Valleys, right? And so we can all say, man, in life I've had some mountaintop experiences. I would love to, and what did Peter want to do? He said, hey, let's build some shelters. Let's stay here. Like he wanted to make this thing last longer. And we can't, you can't blame him for that. I would too, right? We have this great experience which sometimes the Lord provides as his provision, right? But after that, I promise you the valley is coming again. And think of it this way. What if God gives us these mountaintop experiences as a provision to help us get through these valleys, right? And by the way, this is what, this is what, um, uh, this is what hope does, is hope looks back. Have you ever been able to look back at a time that God was faithful to get you through that valley, right? And let me say one other thing, too. If you've ever been to Israel, Israel is all about mountains and valleys. And some of y'all know this answer already. In Israel, the most fertile ground, who knows, is found where? It's in the valleys. Okay. In Israel, all the growth occurs where? In the valleys. Can the, can the same be said of us? No one nodded your head because we don't like that truth. You remember what I said that there's some things I don't want, right? Our, our greatest growth is going to come through what? When the Lord leads us through these, through these valleys, right? And so I hope you take at least some encouragement from that. Valleys are where the growth occurs. It's very normal. It's very natural. It's God's plan, okay? And those mountaintop experiences, they're great, but make sure that you don't worship. Please hear this. Make sure you don't worship the experience rather than actually worship Jesus himself. Okay? Why do I say that? Is because, and again, I'm not throwing casting stones to any churches anywhere. But, but pay attention. In our religious culture, worship services are starting to be called. Does anyone know? Worship what? Experiences. Dude, look for it. It's happening. That the next generation... And, and it's, I think it's on its way here. But we don't, we don't have a worship service. No. We, we have a worship what? Experience. And, I'm, and you, will, you will start to see and you will start to watch your heart be drawn towards a worship what? Experience. Right? And this, it's this for 90 minutes or maybe 60 minutes on Sunday morning. If we can impress you with lights and smoke and costumes and and if we can be funny, and, and if we can make this great experience on Sunday morning, then what does that guarantee? That next Sunday you'll what? You'll attend again. And that is worshiping and experience, right? Um, when Christian did the announcements this morning, I was completely joking with him. And I said, hey, man, make sure you're really funny. I said, make sure you tell a really good joke. And he says, I, I don't think I can do that. And I was like, well, I know, but I'm still going to mess with you. And do you remember what I said? I, I said, make sure your joke is, I said, make sure you're funnier than last week. But then you remember I said, but make sure next week you have to what? Be funnier than today, right? And we kind of laughed about it. But dude, there's some truth in that, right? If you're chasing an experience, guys, if you're chasing the mountaintop experience, it, it's just this circus. It's this clown show 
that we've made worship into that we're constantly chasing a better feeling or a better high, right? And so that, that's the last thing I'll say about that. Make sure you're not chasing an experience that that's not your God, but that your God is Jesus Christ Himself, okay? <clears throat> uh, verse 34, this is amazing. The Father's about to step in and He's about to drop the mic, okay? So notice everything that's happening, again, the context. People are trying to figure out who's Jesus. The apostles are trying to put this together. Even in the sight of His glory, Peter is still kind of confused. Peter says, let's worship this experience. And the Father is about to step in and speak. This is amazing. I'm trying to prep the ground. Are you ready for this? Okay. And, and so God the Father looks down and He says, these people still don't get it. And He says, I'm going to set the record straight. Verse 34, while He was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were terrified as they entered the, cl the cloud. Okay. By the way, that's the correct approach to worship. When you truly experience Jesus Christ, you're, you're not smiling. You, when Jesus comes back, do you want to know what we're going to be doing? We will be on our faces. We will be on our knees. There's a sense of fear. Like, but yet we're always drawn to these things that terrify us. And I won't talk long about this. This is why we're drawn to mountains oceans the desert right this is why we're drawn to heights we are drawn to these things that are both terrifying and that at a split second could destroy us completely you ever, you ever thought about that why do we sit out and stare at the stars we want to feel small this is what worship is is that we when you stand next to the grand canyon you don't brag about yourself you don't say, this is amazing, almost as amazing as the brisket I smoked last Sunday. You should have tried it. No, you, you shut your mouth. Or when, if you've ever been out in the middle of the ocean, if you're a thinker, and, and some of y'all like really like the science and stuff like that, do you realize how terrifying the ocean is? Like we're, but yet we're drawn to it. Do you see that? Like we want to get in it. Like we want to swim in it. Have you ever stopped and thought, I am sharing the water right now with literally only God knows what? I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Have you ever thought about that? Yet we, we are pulled into these things. That's where our heart wants to go, you know? Or even we're drawn to the big city. We're drawn to these things that make us feel tiny. No one says, I'm going to Shreveport to really <laughs> clear my head, you know? It's like, no, like you go to these enormous things and anyways, that's the correct response. They were terrified. The Father steps in. They were afraid. And then verse 35, a voice came from the cloud saying, okay, here's, here, the Father says, I'm going to clear this up right now. This is amazing. He says, look, this is my Son whom I have chosen. And then look at this. Listen to who? Him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept them to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. Okay, so again, the Father steps in and He says, this is My Son. Which, by the way, the, the authority that a son and a father had was the same. And He says, listen to Him. And, and I love this because this is, this is the Lord Himself. Notice, He defines Himself. Please hear me say this, guys. It's not your job to define the Lord. Because if we try to define Him, we will, again, we will try to fit Him into our agenda. Can, 
I think we're, we've all, we're all guilty of that, right? When we try to sculpt our own Jesus, we, you know, we try to make Jesus the white, uh, middle-class uh, Republican, right? We kind of laugh at that one, right? We, we try to make America God's nation, which it's not, right? <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing at that. There's one nation that is God's. It's not the United States. It is Israel, right? We try to form Jesus to fit our agenda. And I love this because the Father steps in. He defines Himself. He says, this is my Son. Listen to who? Him, right? But once again, church, don't fall asleep. Because if you do you will find yourself worshiping a God that is, who's heard this? Love, love, love. Right? Hey, I'm going to say something. The Bible never says that God is love, love, love. Right? Or worshiping a God that is grace, grace, grace. Do you want to know where Scripture says that? Nowhere. My Bible, when it describes God, you know how it it describes Him? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Right now, that's, that's what the seraphim are, are uh, chanting around the throne from now until all eternity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Do not try to define Jesus yourself. He does that Himself. And don't fall asleep because our culture is redefining Jesus. Do you guys agree with that? If you disagree with me, I mean, I want to go to lunch with you, like for real. Um, you can buy me lunch, and then we'll go talk about it. But if, if you don't realize that we're changing Jesus, I'd say you've probably fallen asleep. Don't fall asleep, man. Stay awake. Stay vigilant. Stay on the alert. Um, that's all I have to say. I'm going to pray for us. No, I'm not. Pray with me. I'm not going to pray for us. You pray with me. See, do you see how easy it is? Like we just say, and words have power, you know? Anyways, I'm going to pray, and y'all just pray with me. So Lord, thank you for today. God, thank you for who you are. And God, you don't change. You are you. And Lord, we, we try to define you. Like we try to place a lot of cultural assumptions on you we try to add to what you said we try to take away to what you said we try to change well he didn't really mean that and and we try to say things like well the world has really changed now so um and lord we need to repent of that god we need to turn from that and so lord i pray that you would give us give us eyes to truly see you god some of us we need to wake up I think all of us in parts of our heart, Lord, if you need to grab our shoulders and shake us awake, Lord, then please do that. That we won't just sit here and chase our own kingdom and try to build up our own name and that we won't spend our lives chasing things that that will not matter. It's all going to burn one day. And so, Lord, help us to remember that and to be uh, challenged and to be reminded that we are soldiers pressing forward. When we find ourselves picking each other apart, we do not recognize the situation. We have fallen asleep, or we've become numb to it, or we've become dull, or we've just become hard of hearing. So, Lord, help us to stay vigilant, uh, to stay alert. God, I feel like the church in the United States has fallen asleep, that, that we just compromise and compromise and compromise. 
And we are changing. Well, we're trying to change who you are. And so thank you that you define yourself, not us. And so, God, I just pray we're not like Peter and the guys. I pray that we'd stay awake and we see what you're doing. Give us eyes for that. So, Lord, this is our prayer today. Amen.